Hi, I'm Jasmine, and you're listening to Lifesavers, the podcast by the RNLI, the charity that saves lives at sea. Every week, I'll be delving into the lives of volunteer crew members and lifeguards who are willing to risk everything to rescue someone by the water. Join me as I find out exactly what it's like for them to be a lifesaver, and why they do it. Plus, they'll be sharing the story of the rescue they'll always remember on the day they saved a life. So I've heard that on the radio, I've driven down on the jet ski to the other end, and as I've got down there, I've seen pretty much the whole bathing area has been sort of swept off their feet, yeah, between 14 to 16 people that are all kind of bloating out the back, sort of panicking. In this episode, I meet Sam Harwood, a lifeguard from Newquay in Cornwall. Summer may be over, but RNLI lifeguards are still patrolling beaches all over the UK and Channel Islands to keep more people safe. And as Sam tells me, autumn and winter can be just as busy as the summer. He shares how the job gives you a permanent family on the beach, an amazing social life, and lesser-known benefits, like being able to use your training to lifeguard in Australia. We recorded this episode in the Lifeguard Visitors Centre on Fistral Beach in Newquay, the home of British surfing. The Lifeguard Centre is the heart of where lifeguards train, give first aid to casualties, and teach visitors how to stay safe in the local area. So let's hear from Sam and the rescue he'll always remember. Um, so thinking back, it was like pretty much a year ago now. So we're down here, and I think there was an event on, on the day, so there was like a competition. So through the summer, we have like a lot of competitions, like surf competitions and jet ski competitions, boat races, CrossFit on the beach, and like all kinds of things. And a lot of them we do like the safety cover for. So we have the jet ski in there, and we're sort of um, providing like a safety cover for the people involved in the competition. So I think that was going on on this day, and it, it turned out to be like one of the busiest days of the season, I think. So it was boiling hot sun. There was a lot of surf, there's loads of people down here. So then on, on them kinds of days, we put the bathing area and bodyboarding area up the south end of the beach. The competition's going on at North, and one of the supervisors was down here at the time. He was in the hut, radioed through and said, oh, we've got a bit of a flash rip, which sort of leaves people in difficulty because they kind of swept off their feet, stuff like that. So he's radioed through to say, Sam, can you just come up to the south end? We've got some people in difficulty up here. So I've heard that on the radio. I've dri- driven down on the jet ski to the other end. And as I've got down there, I've seen pretty much the whole bathing area has been sort of swept off their feet. Yeah, between 14 to 16 people that are all kind of bloating out the back, sort of panicking off their boards, shouting for help sort of thing. So I've drove over. They've used, we've used the jet ski as sort of like a base. Everyone's sort of got something to hold on to. And then one of the supervisors, Nathan and Jack Daniels, one of the other lifeguards has paddled out on rescue boards and sort of ferried people in and out. And they've done, sort of done that for a few trips and eventually everyone got back in. But yeah, it's pretty crazy to have it turned from like such a safe area. We've got everyone there just enjoying their day to next minute, without any notice, 16 people have been caught in like a flash rip and they're all swept out and panicking sort of in no time. That's yeah. how quickly it can happen when the sea's sort of in control. And how do you decide, like, when you're in that scenario and you're out at sea, how do you decide who to rescue first? Um, I suppose we usually go for the people that are sort of panicking most because if panic sets in, your heart rate's going up, you're sort of flapping in the water, it's easier to go under, easier yeah. to breathe in water. 
you sort of play it by ear as to who's there. If there's like parents and children, a lot of the time the parents will go take the children first and we'll sort of ferry them in. But in a situation like that, we can use, if there's a lot of people, we use the jet ski as sort of like a, a base to keep everyone afloat and then go to and throw rescue boards and stuff like that. They can get in and out within like minutes. So it's not like anyone's there waiting for a long time. We're literally just in and out. And then before you know it, all 16 people are back on shore. And What's it like when you actually bring them back to shore? Do they kind of have <coughs> like a what just happened moment or do they just want to go back in? A bit of both. But um, a lot, most of the time, majority of the time, they're sort of really thankful for what we do. And does it hit <coughs> you that you've saved someone's life? Yeah, it does. But I mean, we're down, we do a lot of training and stuff and we're down here doing that every day. So as much as it does kind of hit you some days with some of the more serious rescues, it is just a part of what we do day to day. And, but it does kind of kind of hit home a little bit sometimes. Do you remember your first day on the beach? I sort of do actually. I started off down at Tolkan, which is a bit of a quieter beach down here. And it's sort of a really good training ground for if you're like just starting out lifeguarding. Yeah. You've got some of the guys that have worked for like, done a lot of seasons working down there. So they sort of take some of the new lifeguards under their wing a little bit. Yeah and show you the ropes. Yeah, so it's really nice when you first turn up because they're sort of really welcoming of like new young people as well. You're thinking, oh, I'm going to go work on the beach. What's it going to be like? And they just show you the ropes, show you exactly how it all works. After that, I moved on to Watergate, which is like one of the big, biggest sort of busy beaches. For the past few years, I've just been working down here at Fistral, which is sort of one of the busiest surf beaches. When, uh, when you first joined, did you know anyone on your team or did you have to meet new people and make new friends? Um, I knew a few people because that was why I kind of got into it. I mean, growing up in Newquay, you're going to know some people that do it. But, but as a whole, there's a lot of like meeting new people and sort of getting friendly with new people. And there's sort of a really good social side to Life Garden as well. They sort of really thrive. I think it's not just in England, but everyone kind of thrives on the fact of like you've got this big group of people who are all like really good mates and having barbecues and cricket matches and swim training and like everything really you kind of all it's like one big Nuki beach like family I suppose and for new people that haven't lived in Nuki before they get like an, a summer job working on the beach and then they're sort of straight into this like this whole meeting loads of people and then everyone sort of ends up best mates eventually which is pretty that's so pretty nice, nice. Yeah. yeah especially if you're moving somewhere like <coughs> from somewhere different and you're moving somewhere new it's a great place to meet people yeah it's hard to make friends as an adult yeah you really know where to go yeah <laughs> Yeah, that is definitely a good point of lifeguarding. And um, I think that like, the international guys that come over are sort of really amazed by that. I don't know whether it's just Nuki or whether it's like, the lifeguards around here. A lot of Australian people have come over, done the seasons, and then they don't want to leave. Their two-year visas run, up, run out and they're like, oh no, I want to stay, like, Nuki's like their hometown. Do you hear people uh, give the stereotype about the Baywatch? People do have that stereotype. But we were actually chatting to someone on the beach the other day and they were like, oh, it's changed now from what it used to be. It used to be like this kind of Baywatch thing of people hanging out, hanging out down the beach and just going in the sea and stuff like that. Yeah. But they said that it seems like the sort of modern day RNLI has more of a sort of professional kind of look to it, mm. which I think it does. And we, that's sort of up to us to keep that sort of professionalism. What was your relationship like with the water when you were growing up? Well, I've lived in Nuki for my whole life. So I've always surfed. I used to surf like competitively when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So I used to surf in like all the national competitions. So what better job to go on to, to work on the beach as a lifeguard, which sort of enables me to go in the water and use them sort yeah. of water skills that I've developed my whole life Definitely. in a good way. Have you always <coughs> stayed here to do surfing or have you travelled? And- uh, I have travelled, which is kind of a good part about lifeguarding as well. We all like to sort of travel yeah. overseas in the winter. Yeah, a lot of us sort of do this as like a seasonal thing through the summer and then you can go away and visit some pretty cool places abroad, which is 
a good part about having a seasonal job, I suppose. So how long is the season for? Um, we're kind of lucky down here. But we start in March, our induction starts, and then we go all the way through to November. And through November, we do sort of like volunteering just on the weekends. So it's a pretty long season, to be honest. That like, is long, yeah. Which then goes up to like, that'll be ending at the end of November. So then you're pretty much into December, which is like the dark depths of winter and we're still down here lifeguarding. Does it still get really busy, even in the winter? Yeah, it's, it does still stay busy down here. So like through October, we still have like our full service and it's still pretty busy. We've got October half term, which is actually like kind of a real busy time for us. Mm. Sort of weather dependent and normally October does seem pretty good weather. So people come down for like the half term holiday. And then there's bigger surf that time of year as well. So if there's like big surf, good weather, and a lot of holiday makers coming down, it can end up being like quite a busy time for us. And then um, November, sort of weather dependent as well, but it sort of tends to be like more surfers. It's like that sort of home of British surfing. Yeah. And the surf schools open up all the way through the winter, so you still get people, some really brave people come down God, with yeah. gloves and hats and stuff on all through the winter, which is pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Are those the kind of rescues that you got get called out to most, kind of surfer ones? Because looking at the beach now, we've got surfers, we've got dog walkers. Is it a mix? Um, it's, it's quite a mix, to be honest. I'd say most of them are people um, swimming. Also, a lot of um, rescues as the RNLI, maybe not just so much us, but it's when people get caught out that aren't intending to go in the water. So like people fishing or um, people that get caught out on rocks or caught out by like a tidal cut off, that sort of thing, then they can sort of get into difficulty there. <clears throat> if they weren't intending to go in, is that usually people falling in or getting swept in? Yeah, falling in, getting swept in, falling in off the rocks and um, sort of around fistral and a lot of the beaches in this area, we've got footpaths and like rocks that sort of go across the sides of the beaches. They'll come down off the footpath and sort of go closer to the water. And if there's big tides or big surf on that day, they can sort of end up ending up in the water when they weren't intended on it in the first place. It can be quite a, a scary thought to think that, you know, that that's a possibility that could happen or just needing to be rescued. But what can we do to just enjoy the water and not be frightened of it? So ideally, we don't want to rescue anyone. We want to prevent anyone needing being rescued in the first place. So that's why we have our flag systems down here. And that's why you'll have seen us putting out all the signs and stuff this morning. We've got the windbreaks with um, safety information and wet sort of the designated areas. If you are going swimming or surfing, that's to sort of prevent people from needing rescued in the first place. So if you come down the beach and you, and you want to go into the water and you're surfing or swimming at a lifeguard beach, just take a look at the signs that are there, listen to our announcements that we're putting out, and then as long as you use the safe areas, that's why they're there at the end of the day. We look at the beach in the morning, decide where's best to put them. And so, obviously, being a surfer, like when you were 17, did you always yeah. know that you wanted a career that was going to involve the water? I didn't really plan it out at that stage of my life, I suppose. I didn't really know what I wanted to go into a job in, but some people that I knew lifeguarded already. It's sort of a popular thing to do in Newquay. Like growing up in Newquay, you see the people of older generations that surf mm. and then they lifeguard and they work on the beaches and get to go in the water all the time. And you think, oh, that's not such a bad job. If you're really into surfing and really into being on the beach, then yeah, it's definitely a good job to have. So then as I got older, I finished, finished in school and I thought uh, a couple of my friends were actually working on the beach already and they said, oh, why don't you apply to lifeguard? And so I did put in, put in an application and then got a job. And here I am. I've been do this would be my fifth year now. So did you end up getting into it because your friends sort of recommended it? Yeah, they, they kind of recommended it and I'm glad they did. And I'd definitely recommend it to any more people that wanted to get into it because it is an amazing job. 
And having been here for five years now, is yeah. every year the same or is it differ? It's kind of similar. I mean, you start at the same time of year and you're doing like a similar thing on a daily basis. But every year is sort of different because we're sort of influenced a lot by what the weather and the waves are doing. Mm -hmm. So like last year, for example, we had that massive heat wave. So that's kind of like a standout year as far as like people coming down the beach, it's busy. And we've got like high numbers of people coming down, which is a lot to deal with. But when you're in the sun, it's not not so bad. It's quite nice. But also it sort of varies each year, sort of depending on the beach. Like if you look down there now, we've got like all of these rocks kind of appeared. Mm -hmm. And then as the tide goes out at lower tide, we've got some sort of big holes and trenches at the northern end. So that sort of plays a big part into where we want to put our flagged areas. Because it's really easy for for people that don't know what they're doing to get into difficulty. So that sort of varies each year because we didn't have any sort of trenches or any rocks at high tide like we've got down here now. So we sort of have to take that into account every day when we're looking for the safest area for the beach to put the flags. It sort of changes how it is every day, I suppose. The people that you're working with changes every year as well. So we get like um, some international lifeguards come over from like Australia, New Zealand, places like that, which is great to get to work with sort of people which do this job but from different areas of the world. And then hopefully it works the same for us. We can go like, over to them places and go work abroad and stuff like that. And that's a really good opportunity, isn't it? It's probably something that not a lot of people know about that you can do, the opportunity to, to do it somewhere else once you get trained somewhere. Yeah, it's a great opportunity if you go to. Winter comes around, our season finishes, and you go to it in like Australia or New Zealand, somewhere like that. It's got to be a pretty nice lifestyle. You're just chasing the summers, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to stay on the beach? Can you imagine yourself in an office? Um, I mean, I did go to uni. I finished uni last year, and I studied media and film production. So it'd be nice to sort of um, use my degree because that's what I studied for for three years and put like a lot of effort into studying and stuff like that. But for the meantime, I'm really enjoying working on the beach and why not work on the beach in the sun with my friends, doing a really cool job where I can go in the sea, where we all get on and all have like a really nice social life working together. Yeah, and you're probably building so many other skills as well that you might not even think of straight away when you think of lifeguarding. Oh yeah, definitely. And a lot of like the first aid training and stuff that we do as well, it's like quite like a high level of first aid training. So if you're ever out and about and there's an accident or anything like that, you've sort of got that training yeah. training to use, which is obviously a pretty good thing. But yeah, like you say, people skills and working on the beach and all the social side of it, it's, they're good sort of skills to have in life, aren't they? So there's like a nice respect like, for each other yeah. and your position. Oh yeah, there's definitely a lot of respect for like, especially the people that have been doing it a long time as well. There's definitely a lot of respect for them on the beach and the same as they sort of respect us. Do you think your job has helped you grow as a person and not just in your professional life? Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, everything that everyone does that they're pretty passionate about, so it's really good to work with a group of people and sort of better yourself as a person in that sense. And we're all, we all kind of rub off on each other, whether it be people that have just started out or whether it be people that have been doing it for 30 years. We sort of all bring, bring the best out in each other. Yeah, it's a really good thing, I think. Thank you so much for chatting to me. No I really worries. appreciate it. I know that we've chatted for a long time and it might have been. Yeah, yeah. It might have not been how you imagined your Wednesday morning yet. <laughs> but yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, no worries. Yeah. Thank you so much to Sam. If you're feeling inspired from the stories we're sharing this series, why not find out how you could become a lifesaver? From giving a donation to even becoming a volunteer. However you get involved, you'll be part of every rescue and every life saved because the RNLI is, and will always be, powered by the incredible support of people like you. 
Visit rnli.org forward slash Lifesavers podcast for more information. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.